here, but that's live church, and if you, if you like it, you need to come and visit us in person. So, we're in a series. What's the name of our series called? Uh, what's the name of it again? Okay, I need you to help me. I wonder if I remove this. Could you do it if you couldn't? If you, could you do it without this? <clears throat> okay. You cannot use your, your bookmark, okay? No cheaters, ready? Godly words produce godly I'm not even going to do it now. Nope, nope, not even going to play. Y'all are all cheaters. You better be glad we're not talking about character today. <clears throat> okay, move it. I'm going to see if I hear the ladies more or the men more. Ready? Godly words produce godly. Godly thoughts produce godly. Godly emotions produce godly. We only got to number three. Godly beliefs produce godly. Godly actions produce godly. Godly habits produce godly. And godly character produces God's for your life. And the same thing is true with negative words. It produces negative thoughts on and on. So here's what we're talking about. So I want you to understand that parts two through four, um, your thoughts, your feelings, and your beliefs, this is who you really are. Okay? Uh, this is who you really are. Now, the reason I want you to understand that is because um, I talked, I think I'm a little bit, little bit too loud, but I think I talk to people a lot, and what they say is, oh, you don't know I'm a good person, and you don't understand uh, my heart's pure, and, and I know what's best, and all the, and they think very highly of themselves, but what's interesting is the fruit of their life doesn't show what they think they are, and the Bible says our own heart deceives us. So even though this is who you really are, up here is how you know who you really are. You see, we all think that our heart's pure. We all think that our motives are right. We all think that we're doing the right thing for the right reason or whatever the case is. But the fruit of your life is very important. I'm not getting into works today. Okay? I'm not going grace versus works. But I do want you to understand that you can see who you really are by what kind of fruit is produced in your life, by your actions, your habits, and your character. That's who, that's who you are. This is who you really are, but this is how you can see who you really are. And you know, we can fool people for a certain amount of time, but sooner or later, the outside always produces what's going on on the inside. Um, you can blame it on your boss. You can blame it on the way you were raised. You can blame it on anybody else. But the truth is, sooner or later, this part of your life, your actions, habits, character, will ultimately produce who you really are on the inside. So it is very important for us to look at the outside and see what am I producing? Not, not what one mistake did I make or what, you know, I did this three or whatever that comes, but regular fruit. You never see an orange tree with apples growing on it. You never see a cactus with bananas hanging off of it. You can always tell the tree by the fruit. The fruit doesn't lie. In fact, the Bible says this is how we know each other. You don't know what's in my mind. You don't know what's really in my, you know, what, what feelings I have on the inside. You don't know what I really believe in my heart. You don't know that. But you can look at the fruit of my life to see. And you know, we can fool people for a certain amount of time, maybe a few seasons or two, but sooner or later, our heart produces what we see on the outside. 
And you can go from job to job and blame it on this boss and that boss and this boss and that boss. This relationship, that relationship, this relationship, that relationship. You can go to a different country. Well, it's America's fault. It's the president's fault. Go to a different country. You'll still have the same problems you have because everything in life flows out of your heart. We're on the same page? So today in part five, I want to talk to you about actions. <clears throat> Everybody say actions. Um, here's the thing about actions. We should always put actions behind our faith. It's one thing for us to hope. It's one thing for us to pray. It's one thing for us to believe. But we have to put actions behind what we're believing for God to do. Actions are very important. They're very important. You can be believing to lose weight, but you have to stop buying the double-stuffed Oreo family size if you really want God to help you lose weight. See, you don't believe God's going to help you. That's why you're doing that. If you really want a good marriage and you don't have a good marriage, you have to work hard, go to counseling, be a part of a short group. You have to spend time with your spouse doing what they want to do. Learn how to shut your mouth and be encouraging if you open up your mouth. You can't say you're believing something and not act on it because you really don't believe. We see what you really believe based on your actions. We see if we really... Let me ask you this. Um, why are you going to heaven? Well, you're going to heaven because of God's Word, right? That your, your destiny when you die is based on God's Word. Um, but let me ask you this. What about your sins? See, if you're carrying around guilt everywhere you go, you're just constantly guilty. I did this three weeks ago, three years ago, whatever. The Bible says, the Bible says, if you confess, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you really believed what that said and you confessed it to God, you don't have to live guilty. It's so funny, it's so funny, so funny. We really believe, you, we all say, if I, if, I, if I polled you at the door on the way out, we all say we really believe when we die we're going to heaven. Now, I don't know about you, that take, I think that takes a lot of faith. You're telling me you believe when your physical body dies on earth, the Spirit of God who created the universe will take your spirit and your soul to another location and give you a new body. You really believe that? To me, that's like, wow, we believe, if you believe that, but you don't believe tithing. I mean, I gave the 10%, but when I die, I'm going to go to, I really believe I'm going to, you don't believe about worship. I mean, I, I, mean I, I believe I worship. You believe when you die, you're going to heaven, but you don't believe what the Bible says about lifting your hands and clapping to God? That interests me. It's very unusual to me. Um, we can say that we're believing for God to use us in a great way. Use this, God, I just feel like you're going to use me to speak to many people and you're going to use me to lead worship and you're going to lead me to do this. But you, are you part of a Bible study? Are you doing anything to encourage the people that God's already put in your life? Maybe God's called you to speak to hundreds, thousands. What about the six people in your short group? When you're there, are you there for them to encourage you or are you there for you to encourage them? Now, you can say both, and that's a great answer. But if the only reason you're there is for them to encourage you, listen, when that short group's over, you're going to lose those friends. Because you're going to attract what you are. If you're an encourager, you'll attract encouragement. So if you can't be faithful with a little, with what God's given you right now, you can't be trusted with much. Um, we say that we're believing for God to bring the right person into our life, right? You're not married, you want this right person. Let me ask this, where are you going to meet this right person? Because some of the places you're going, you're going to meet Mr. Wrong and think you can change him into Mr. Right. That's not how it works. It doesn't start, I'm going to meet Mr. Wrong, and then I'm going to fix him. No, he needs to start down here. You need to find somebody that believes this, what God says, right? Where are you going to meet Mrs. Right or Mr. Wrong? 
You know, you just, if you, there's certain places where you go, you're not going to meet the person that you want to have in your life. Here's the problem, though. Your character doesn't line up with where you're going. Because the place you're going is actually based on your heart. Okay, we're good. Okay, anyway, so here's, here's the scripture. James 2.17, faith without corresponding actions to back it up by itself is dead or inoperative. You can have faith and it be dead. You can have dead faith. You know the King James, it says um, faith without works is dead, right? This is the Amplified Bible. You can have faith and it be totally dead. So let me share a scripture, a story with you to help you understand what I'm trying to say today. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was preaching to a crowded room. I mean, a crowded building. You could not even get in. People were everywhere. There was a paralyzed man who lived in the same city. This paralyzed man had four friends. Now, um, uh, let me tell you what a godly friend is. A godly friend is someone who does whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. You don't have to have the same interest. You don't have to have fun with them or not. They're not fun to hang around. It doesn't matter. A biblical friend will always push you to Jesus. A biblical friend won't keep you out so late on Saturday night that you can't come to church. A biblical friend will not tell you to go ahead and skip church and sleep in. A biblical friend will always push you to Jesus. Everybody understand that so far? So this guy had good four good friends. Okay, here's the problem. In verse 4, in Mark 2, it says this, Because of the crowd... They could not get the man to Jesus. Here's what happened. They got to church and the parking lot was full. They got to church and it was raining. They got to church and somebody offended them. The point is something happened and it looked like they were not going to come into service. And picture they're carrying this guy. Four friends carrying this guy. Now, anytime I read the Bible, I always put myself and my life into the Bible, okay? So I want to kind of show you what's going on in my imagination when I read this. I read this, and I see four of my friends uh, carrying a bed, okay? You got Jason, Mark, Dan, and Bob. And I can picture them carrying me. You know, they're coming to church, and they're, and they're like, oh, man, the, the parking lot's crowded. And this, I have good friends. They say, it doesn't matter. We're going to get them in there to see Jesus. Oh, it started raining. Doesn't matter, we have umbrellas. We're going to do whatever it takes. And they get to the, they get to the sanctuary, and it's so packed. And here's what I picture. I picture Jason being very calm and kind and using his little his twinkle of, of a smile and trying to talk people into letting us in the back of church, but it doesn't work. I hear Dan trying to look for one of the windows that is open. He's trying to calculate how many windows are there, which one could be unlocked. I hear Mark saying, let's just turn around and go home. My shoulder hurts. <laughs> And then Bob has the idea, Bob has the idea, why don't, verse 4, why don't we cut a hole in the roof and lower the man on his bed, right? And why don't we do that? So they climb up on top of the roof, they cut a hole, and I can, for some reason I picture Mark saying, do y'all really believe John Paul can be healed? And everyone says yes, and then Mark says, let's just throw him through the hole then. If we already believe he's going to be healed, why do we have to lower him? Let's just... Just let them go down in the hole, right? I mean, we really believe. So here's what I picture when they're kids. Here's what I kind of picture in my head. So they got me. I'm in the bed. Listen, it's my fantasy. You can, you can have your own fantasy, but this is mine. <laughs> I'm it. <laughs> so I'm laying in the bed. They lower me in. Okay, here's what I want you to see about the whole thing. Okay, Jesus is preaching. Dust starts falling from the ceiling. It interrupts the whole service. And in verse 5, it says this. When Jesus saw... When Jesus saw their faith, here's my question. Do you have a faith that Jesus can actually see? 
Is your faith just in your head? Or is it so much a part of your life that it can be seen through your actions and what you do? In verse 12 it says, The man got up and walked while everyone watched in amazement. Here's my question. How many people that day did not get healed because they did not have a faith that Jesus could see? How many people turned around because it was packed? How many people left? How many people thought, ah, it's no big deal? How many people thought, we're just going to go in just to kind of hear a feel-good sermon, just, you know, just check it and talk to people and socialize? How many people were actually there to have an encounter with Jesus and you could tell by the actions that they were producing? Um, if you're here today and you're broke is a joke, go out and get a savings account. Put $20 in. You say, that's all I have is $20. Put it in there. If you're believing for God to help you financially, open up a savings account. If you're sick, order some running shoes online because you're believing to be well. If you have a loved one, a friend, a child that's unsaved, buy them a Bible. You say they're not going to read it. It doesn't matter. You go ahead and buy it as a sign of faith that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. Uh, this is a picture of, of Mark's Bible. Do you know I bought that for him and put his name on it 16 months before he ever surrendered his life and started serving in church. Before. Now, I'm, I'm waiting for the day when he actually opens it one day, but for now, <laughs> at least, he does use it though. It's real thick, so he uses it to stand on whenever he needs to read something out. Anyway, here's the point. You got to do something in faith. John 11:39. whenever Lazarus was dead, it says this, when Jesus approached the tomb, he ordered them, take away the stone. Jesus was about to raise a man from the dead, and he can't move a stone? If we will do the natural, God will always do the supernatural. Our part is always the natural. Our part is to pray. You can put it up there. Our part is to pray. God does the supernatural. Our part is to give. God does the supernatural. Listen, the natural part's the easy part. You don't have to do the supernatural. The natural's easy. You roll away the stone, He'll raise them from the dead. Remember in the first part of the series, I talked about the woman with the issue of blood. Matthew 9, 20. A woman who had suffered from severe bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment. Here's what I want you to see. And this stuff like this interests me so much, I cannot even close my Bible when I read this. Jesus did not touch her. Do you see that? Jesus didn't go to her house. Jesus didn't call her on the phone. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to spit in some sand, make some mud, you know, rub it on whatever's hurting. Jesus did not... She touched Him. And do you know there were hundreds of people that rubbed up against Him that day. They came to church to socialize, to hang out, but only one person reached out to touch Him. How many other people could have easily touched Jesus that day? Easily. But she was the only one. She didn't feel like it. Her, her emotions were not cheering her on. She was sick. She didn't feel good. But she reached out and touched Jesus. Fulfilling God's plan for your life does not happen accidentally. You will never accidentally have a great marriage. Never. And if you're not taking actions to pursue that, you're never going to have it. You will never accidentally gain godly wisdom without opening up this Bible, without taking notes, without listening, without spending time with Jesus. You will never accidentally become who God's called you to become. It takes some work. It takes some work. Um, a friend of mine years ago, whenever her boyfriend proposed to her, who's now her husband, uh, he proposed to her. She was so excited. She was, you know, little girls always dream of their wedding. But when he proposed and she said yes, she was five sizes bigger 
than what she always imagined herself being on her wedding day. So eight months before the date of the wedding, she found the dress she wanted. It was like two, $3,000, and it was five sizes too small, and she bought it. She hung it up in her room. She said, every day that gave me the faith to step out, to work out, to eat better. She said at one point during those eight months, she started getting real lazy and thought, oh, it's not going to work. But then she thought, I'm not going to waste the money. I spent all that money. I better use it. So she kept on going. The day of her wedding, she wore that dress. She said it was a little bit tight, but it was worth it. <laughs> what did she do? She took a step of faith. Took a step of faith. So um, I want to show you another story. In 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, this widow woman... She lost her husband, and, um, and she couldn't pay her bills. And so the creditors are coming to take her son as payment. Imagine that you, you, know, you run up a visa bill, and you can't make the payment, and they come to your house to take your child. She was frantic. She was upset. Her husband died. And I want you to understand something, too. The husband who died, who was paying the bills, he was not her source. He was a resource. Your boss is not your source. Your boss is a resource. Um, the government's not a, uh, a source. The president's not a source. Your spouse is not a source for joy, for finances, for anything. These are resources that the source uses. The resource may dry up. The resource may die. But the source is alive and well. And so Elisha comes to her house. And in 2 Kings 4, 2, Elisha said this. What do you have of value? She said, I don't have anything except a little bit of oil. Okay, never discount the little bit that you have. Never. Never discount the little bit of faith, the little bit of money. The little. Never discount the small. People want to lead worship, but they don't want to sing in the choir. People want to preach, but they don't want to usher. People want to own their, own their own business, but they don't want to submit to the authority of who their boss is now with a good attitude. They want to be the boss, but they don't want to help the boss. If you can't be faithful with little, you can't be trusted with much. Never, never. We look at what we have and we look at what we need. And when we compare it, we don't know what we're going to do. But when we take the little that we do have and we put it in the hands of God, the source, He'll always multiply it. The step of faith, the action that proves we really believe what He says, we will never go dry. Um, I told you even the scripture in Matthew 70, 20 says you can have faith the size of a mustard seed. Um, a mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. And um, I, every time, you know, I, I mostly have good memories about the Bible. This is one I have a bad memory of, and I've kind of told you before, but when I was a teenager, I was 16 years old. I bought my very first brand new car. It was a Mustang. I wrecked it, so I got to rent a car. I'm in church that night. It was a Thursday night, and the preacher preaches on mustard seed faith. And so he gives everybody a little bag of mustard seeds to take home so we can see how small it is. And so I'm, I'm driving, you know, home after, after church and, and hanging out with my friends or whatever. And I'm in Surfside. I go down 3rd Avenue, and the cop pulls me over because something with the rent-a-car was wrong. The, the license, I'm sure you see where I'm going with this already. The, the license plate, something was messed up. So he pulls up to my car. He shines the light in my car. Now, if you ever have a baggie with seeds in it and the cop pulls you over, you need to swallow it very quickly. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. And so I'm, I'm holding my baggie, and, and he said, what are you doing? I said, you know, did, he's like, there's something wrong. Whose car is this? And he said, what is that in your lap? I said, it's a baggie with, with some mustard seed. He said, what's the teenager got mustard seed for? I was like, I was in church, and he preached on the faith of a mustard seed, and you can say to the mountain, be removed, it'll be removed. And he let me go. But anyway, the point is, the point is, the point is, and then I rolled up, and I, I smoked that mustard seed later. I'm just kidding. 
I'm just kidding. The point is, is the little that God, if you give God the little, he can always do much. So in 2 Kings 4.3, here's what Elisha said. Go to your neighbors and borrow as many empty jars as you can. Then pour the oil that you do have, the little bit. Take the little you have and do something with it. Take the little you have, the little, the minimum wage, the little bit of energy you have left. Take the little you have and do something with it. It looked like she was just transferring it from one jar to the next jar into the next jar, but it kept multiplying. She did the natural. God was doing the supernatural. Now, for your notes, next to the word actions on the top of your paper, I want to give you another word that corresponds with that. Write the word obedience. That's a much better word if you don't understand actions, is obedience. If we will do what God tells us with the little, He'll do much in our life. Obedience. Now, verse 6 says this, When the jars were all full, the oil stopped multiplying. Listen, real close. This is very important. You can actually measure how much faith you have. I can actually see. You can see how much faith you have based on your actions. We can actually see what you believe. I can actually look at your life and see how much faith you have. If this woman had gotten 20 containers... God would have filled 20 containers. If she got 50 containers, God would have filled 50 containers. If she had gotten 1,000 containers, God would have filled 1,000 containers. Listen, the oil stopped when the containers ran out. The miracle stopped when the action stopped. The supernatural stopped when the natural stopped. You can measure, and I, the Bible doesn't tell us how many jars she got, but the truth is, it was all based on her faith. If she had gotten 10,000 jars, God would have filled 10,000 jars. Listen, don't wait until you feel it. It bothers me so bad when Christians say, well, I'm just going to wait till I feel the Spirit. You don't have to feel the Spirit. You can feel the Word. You can feel this. Look, I'm feeling it right now. You can, feel, you can open up and hear God say something. Well, I, I'll lift my hands whenever I, when I feel the Spirit. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say do it when you feel it. The Bible says do it because He said do it. Um, Psalm 150. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him for the surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the dance, the timbrels, the clapping of hands, the trumpets. Praise God. Well, after God does this miracle, then I'll praise. No, no, no. No, no, not after. Now. Now. Well, after he makes my business succeed, then I'll give. No, no, no. Now. After God just, you know, imparts it into my heart to join a church. Well, it's funny because two-thirds of the entire New Testament was written to members of churches. You can't even apply some of this to your life without being a member of a church. And you're going to wait till you feel it? Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to work on my marriage once the pastor preaches on a marriage sermon. No! You, if it's part of your destiny, you do it now. Ladies, if you're a married woman, write this on your handout. Ready? Get your pens ready. Write this. Write, I can make love to my husband anytime he wants to, even if I don't feel like it. <laughs> Men, I can support my wife, hang out with her, do things she wants to do, even if I don't feel like it. I can praise God even if I don't feel like it. I can hold my tongue and be patient, bite my tongue, and only say things that are encouraging whether I feel like it or not. <laughs> don't wait till you feel it. You know, every person, I think, should have what I call a mental mentor. 
A mental mentor is someone who has gone through um, worse things than you and they're still serving God. And so when you're going through tough times, you just remember them, okay? My mental mentor is Chris Skinner, a member of our church, good friend of mine. Um, he's in a wheelchair, his electric wheelchair, and he's going to be preaching in a few months too, but he has an amazing testimony, amazing testimony, okay? He's been through more than me and he still serves God. A while back, um, his wheelchair was moving very rapidly during praise and worship. And so one of the ushers went to check on him and said, Chris, you know, is everything okay with your wheelchair? He said, I'm dancing. Listen, if Chris Skinner can dance, man, you can, you can at least lift your hands to God. You can at least do that. I have a, if there was ever a scripture to be put on the marquee of Market Common, this is what it should be. Psalms 148.12, praise God, old people. Now, I didn't, say, I didn't say if you're old or not. I'm just saying, if you are, you have no excuse to not praise God. You know, when we're in our 30s and 40s, we think, you know, one day when I retire and then I'll do this, then I'll really serve God. Then when we retire, you think, man, if I was younger again, I'd serve God. There's always an excuse. Always an excuse. Uh, Isaiah 54. Oh, let me tell you this. So, I was thinking the other day. Um, where am I at my notes? I don't even know where I'm at. And so... There are so many people that I meet who want a baby. They're, they're, they're husband and wife. They want to have a child. They want to have a baby. And so they, they want a baby. They're praying. They're believing for a baby. But there's this thing that you can get, and it's called a pregnancy test. And, and after you pee on this stick, and it says positive, everything in their life changes. They begin to paint rooms. They begin to call people, buy furniture. And the mom is not even one pound bigger. There, she's not, there's no kick in the stomach. There's no push. The only thing they have is a stick that somebody's peed on. And they are so excited about that. <laughs> Which one do you have more faith in? This or some pee on a stick? <laughs> How many times can I say pee on a stick in one sermon? <laughs> Don't cut this part out and edit it and put it on Facebook or anything like that. You know, we have so much in here that we could be acting. And you say, well, it just doesn't feel right. Then do it in faith. When your emotions aren't backing you up, do it anyway. When your finances aren't backing you up, when your, your spouse isn't backing you up, when your parents aren't backing you up, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Faith it till you make it. Isaiah 54.1 says this, Sing, O barren woman who has not yet had a child. Break forth into singing and shouting and be happy. Make melody and sounds of joy. Here's why the Lord has promised, has made you a promise. Now, this scripture was not written to mommies with babies. It was written to empty-armed people. It was written to people whose dreams had not yet come to pass. It was written to people who did not have what they wanted. They could not see the miracle. They could not touch it. They could not feel it. All they had was a word from God, and He said, sing like it's already happened. Praise like it's already happened. Shout like it's already happened. Dance like it's already happened. Do it because God said it. Um, true story, and I'm about to close with this, but um, there was a famous... Um, actor named Gavin McLeod. I don't know if you know who he is, but there's a picture of him here. Uh, he's the captain of the love boat. Remember the love boat? Da, 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 da. So, um, anyway, so Gavin McLeod, uh, he and his wife Patty got married many years ago. And after seven years of marriage, his career just took off 
and Hollywood loved him, and he was traveling and acting and making a lot of money, and his career got the best of him, and he, um, he ended up stepping out and doing things he shouldn't do, and he ended up um, seeking after money and fame, and he divorced his wife. Patty was so upset. She never wanted a divorce. It just, it, just, it just knocked her over. She had no idea something like this could happen to them. And so about that time when the divorce took place, Jerry Lewis, the famous Jerry Lewis, his wife at the time was part of a Christian prayer group. She invited Patty to come to the Christian prayer group. Patty goes, Patty ends up giving her life to Christ and learning how to pray properly. So she began to pray for Gavin, her ex-husband, for God to lead him to repentance, for God to change, for God to restore. She took it a step further, and every night for dinner, even though Patty was alone, she would always make dinner for two. She'd set the table, get it all right, get the dinner out of the oven, put it on the table, and she'd sit there by herself with a plate ready for Gavin just as a sign of faith that God was going to do what she knew he could do. Three years went by. This happened for three years. One day there's a knock on her door. She opens it up and out of the blue, it's Gavin. He says, honey, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this happened. Could you ever find it in your heart to forgive me? She smiled and said, honey, come on in. Your dinner's getting cold. <laughs> to this day, they've been married 35 years. 35 years. Listen, you cannot act in faith and not receive a miracle. I read another story, a guy, a famous piano player uh, back in the 70s and 80s used to travel all over America to different churches. He was a, um, like a gospel piano player. And one day he started getting rheumatoid arthritis, and it got so bad after several months, his fingers began to cripple and turn into fists. He could not open up his hands. Uh, his joints were swollen, the pain was just surreal, and this went on, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, obviously he could not play the piano anymore. Well, one day in his church on a Sunday morning, the preacher preaches on forgiveness. And deep in his heart, he knew that he needed to forgive his parents for something that happened years before. He didn't think they deserved forgiveness. He was carrying around the bitterness everywhere he went. He thought, they did me wrong. They don't deserve this. On and on. He, he contemplated all these different scenarios in his mind. By the time the service was over, he decided to stand up as a sign of faith. The preacher asked him to, and to forgive his parents for what happened. The funny thing is, is after the next several months, the pain started going down in his hands. The swelling started to cease, and his fingers began to open up. One year after the day that he forgave his parents, he was able to sit back on the piano and play like he never missed a beat. The miracle was in the obedience. The supernatural was in the natural action. You cannot step out and do something that you know God wants you to do and Him not support it with supernatural things. Uh, last, last story in the Bible, and I'll, I'll let you go. But Mark 10, 46 or 52. I had a lot of things I wanted to teach you about this passage, but I'll just show you one thing. Uh, Mark 10, 46 or 52. When Jesus and disciples were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus. Everybody say blind. Blind Bartimaeus who was begging. Three Bs. When he heard that it was Jesus, when he heard, everybody say heard. It was, he began to shout, Jesus have mercy. Jesus called him over. Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and went. Everybody say went. Went to Jesus. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. Okay, there's just one thing I'll, I'll show you about this today. Bartimaeus was blind. But he stood up and he went to Jesus based on the direction 
of the sound of his voice. He could not see Jesus. He could not see how the miracle was going to happen. He could not see what was going to take place. He had no idea what the outcome was going to be. But when the voice of God said, come here, he stood up blind and went in the direction based on the words of the Son of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we walk by faith. Not by, it doesn't say we sit down and wait. It says we get up and we walk. And we walk and we walk and we walk and we walk. Not based on feeling, not based on fear, not based on what some, based simply on the fact that God said it and that should settle it. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but uh, this past month, because it's Black History Month, I've been sharing a story from one of my uh, favorite black heroes of America. And um, I have one more because it's the end of the month and I'll, I'll close with this. This young black boy, he, he grew up in the projects. He was extremely poor. No education, no money, no future, so it looked. He had no father in his life. His mom worked three jobs. He was getting in trouble stealing and hanging out with the wrong crowd. One day, he decided he was going to skip school. And his cousin, who, who he looked up to, said, Man, go ahead and skip. It's not like you're going to make it anyway. Nothing's going to happen. I'm nothing good. You just go ahead and skip school. He saw this as a challenge. When he heard those words, it did something in the inside. He thought, what? you don't know me. I can do this. You don't, you don't have no idea who I am. So he decided to join the Job Corps to further his education. One of the things in the Job Corps they offered was boxing. He was so excited to learn, so he asked the head coach, he said, hey, you know, can you train me? The guy said, sure. So after a few minutes of watching him box, the head coach said, dude, you've never boxed a day in your life. Get out of here. You're wasting my time. Dejection number two. Instead of leaving that day feeling like, man, nobody thinks I can do anything, he decided to teach himself how to box. So he goes in the corner and just watches everybody else and just does what they do. After a few months, an assistant coach saw how much effort and work he was putting into it. So he said, listen, if you're going to keep working like this, I'll train you. The guy said, great. So the assistant coach bought him a new pair of boxing shoes. In his entire life, he had never had a single new piece of clothing ever. He was so excited he couldn't wait every day to put on those new boxing shoes and practice. This went on for another 12 months. A year after that month that he started training, George Foreman won the Olympic gold medal, went on to become a heavyweight champion of the world, and today he's a pastor and an evangelist. All because he put actions behind his faith. Amen? Prayer partners, y'all can come forward. Musicians, y'all can come up. And I have a question for you. Are you making plans to prosper? Are you making plans to receive your miracle? Are you buying the wedding dress? Are you getting out the Bible? Putting that child's name on it? Are you willing to take steps based on nothing that you see, but solely on hearing what God's Word said He wants to do in your life? That's the question for today. If you would bow your heads with me, I like to um, always make sure we have time to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Nothing of any significance is said unless God speaks to you today. So maybe there's some things in your life that you've had that are just very small things. And you think, man, this can't do much. All I have is a, you know, I, I, I see myself just helping thousands of people, but all I have is six people in my Bible study 
I feel like God's called me to be a financial blessing to His kingdom and to give to ministries all over. But man, all I got is minimum wage. I work 50, 60 hours a week. I don't have a lot of time to volunteer. All I have is one or two hours. God, what can you do with this little bit of oil? (laughs) You have no idea. And so if you're here today and there's some, you've had some faith in your head, but it's never really reached your heart, and you actually want to take these steps, to show God you're real, that you're, you, you mean business. You mean business about what His Word says. You mean business about the destiny God has. You can't say, I really want to fulfill my destiny, but ah, I'm not ever going to be a part of any groups, not ever going to join a church. <laughs> I want a great marriage, but I'm not willing to go to counseling. I don't, I don't want to read any books. You know, I just don't want to, I don't know, I, I want it to just magically happen. If I just hope, Maybe you don't have hope is not a plan of success. God needs to see what you really believe. So if you're here today and you want some more faith to step out and put some actions behind it, can you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Hands up just for 30 seconds. Lord, every person had the faith to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus. I can't do it without Jesus. It's impossible to please God without faith. Lord, I ask right now that you just touch everyone in here today. Give them the the small steps of faith, the little bit of oil, the jars, whatever it is they have right now that you've already given them, Lord, help them to put that into your hands. Because once we put the little into the hands of God, the supernatural takes place. And Lord, I thank you for stirring us up once again, energizing us to serve you. Thank you for being a good God in our life, a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Y'all can stand to your feet. Prayer partners are down front. Prayer partners are the back. During this last song, we invite you to come down for prayer. If you really believed what the Bible says about prayer and joining together and when two or more gather in you, if you really believed, what would you do? If you really, really, really believed. We're going to dismiss you after that. And visitors, I'd love to meet you over in the fellowship hall. My hands purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Clean my hands, purify my heart. I want to burn for you, yeah. only for you. Take my
God love people. We will see y'all next week.